Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So one of my favorite Christmas movies growing up, I mean, we're in the Christmas season, it snowed today, I'm accepting that, we're here, uh, you know, thank you Thanksgiving for holding us all for a day, right? Uh, we're here, so Christmas movies, one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is the classic Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And when I was a kid growing up, there were so many versions of it that were in black and white and color and cartoon, and now there's like a million versions of this classic story. Um, I assume that most of you at least have the gist of it, but if you haven't seen it in a while, let's just get the plot. A misery old man has all this wealth and all this power, and his whole purpose of his life is gaining more. So as he's gaining more and more and more of wealth and power, he gets more and more scroogey and therefore doesn't want to give or share with anybody. We all know the plot. For me, my favorite growing up was the 1983 classic rendition of this, A Mickey's Christmas Carol. (laughs) Loved it. I'm a Disney freak. I love Disney. I love Mickey. I grew up in that era. And one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much is that it wasn't scary, right? You know, like the ghost was goofy coming, you know, ooh, it's goofy, and he trips down the stairs. So I like that a lot better than the black and white versions where, like, it was really kind of scary. So in a Mickey's Christmas Carol, they tell the same story, but where there's some comedy and there's some lightness to it, obviously, for children to enjoy. But there's a specific clip that really speaks to the heart of Ebenezer Scrooge that comes from my favorite version, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Watch this clip. Ooh, (laughs) customers, I'll handle this cratchit. Yes, what can I do for you two gentlemen? Sir, we are soliciting funds for the uh, indigent and destitute. For the what? We're collecting for the poor. Oh, aha. Well, um, you realize if you give money to the poor, they won't be poor anymore, will they? Well, uh... And if they're not poor anymore, then you won't have to raise money for them anymore. Well, I suppose... And if you don't have to raise money for them anymore, then you would be out of a job. Oh, please, gentlemen, don't ask me to put you out of a job, not on Christmas Eve. Oh, we wouldn't do that, Mr. Scrooge. Well, then, I suggest you give this to the poor... And be gone. (sighs) What's this world coming to, Cratchit? You work all your life to get money, and people want you to give it away. The, The classic line, you work all your life to get money, and people just want you to give it away. Ah, the American dream. You work all your life to get all of your boats and your cars and your houses and your dream houses and your lake property, and then you get to snowbird, and I work and I work and I work, and I acquire all this because I have earned it, and you have not. Let me say this again. I have acquired, it's just, right, am I talking about the American dream? I've acquired all of these things, and this is mine, and you have not worked as hard as I have. You have not sacrificed like I have. Therefore, this is mine, 
And why would I do that and give to somebody who's in need? Now, I'm not saying we aren't a radically generous church. I'm not saying that you are not radically generous. But we're going to explore a major thought here today. Because through the wisdom of a Mickey's Christmas Carol and through the the wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, we start to see a theme actually that is ingrained inside of our heart because of our culture. And culturally, there's something here we have to just pause as we've just celebrated Thanksgiving. We as a Thanksgiving people, we sit down around our table, and for those who are uh, faith people, we sit and we give thanks, right? If you're new to the faith journey, you're like, uh, we don't necessarily do that in my family, but for, for those who are in the faith journey, we usually stop and pause and give thanks to God for everything he's given, and it's a time to pause and remember that God is the provider of everything. But isn't it true, once we get past Thanksgiving and we move to Christmas, we go from thankfulness to materialism, like in a matter of not even 24 hours, because Black Friday hits. Like, we're thankful God's provided, and oh, wait, there's a Black Friday Amazon sale. Let's go. And as soon as you finish the meal, we're scrolling through and getting every Black Friday deal that we can. Now, in in the terms of Christmas and of generosity, right, we're thinking Christmas presents, but how, more, how much more stuff do we really need? Why do we keep accumulating all of this stuff? Why do we believe that somehow, someway, all of our work and our effort and our money and our finances and all these things are mine and I give them away as I choose, but honestly, it's mine and I just want to keep accumulating things. It's because we were told as a young little children in kindergarten, this is called the American dream. You can be anything you want to be. You can work hard. And as you work hard, you get what you deserve. But if you don't work hard, you're on the other side of it. But for those who have been on the other side of it, that's not necessarily true. On the other side of it, uh, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, I've worked hard, but I've worked hard, but I haven't accumulated much. But when you have worked hard and you haven't accumulated much, then you're like, well, that's mine too. I remember 22-year-old Jason, uh, I was just coming out uh, my senior year of college, I moved into the workforce, and then then I got my first quote-unquote real job in my profession, right? So I got my first real job in my profession, I got my first real paycheck. Like this wasn't like Pizza Hut or like painting people's houses or being a college you know, like, you know, every job you don't want to do, I had to do and make money as a college kid. This was my first real job. And so in my profession, I got my first real job. And I remember the first years of my thoughts of, I've made it and this is mine. I worked so hard, this is mine. And guess what starts to happen when we start to think that way? I've earned this, this is mine. The word greed starts to enter. When greed enters into the conversation, and greed is, I've worked in this as mine, it pushes out thankfulness. You cannot have greed and thankfulness in the same boat, in the same mind, in the same heart, because greed and thankfulness are complete opposites according to the scriptures. So if you grew up on very little, which I did, I didn't grow up with much, we grew up with very little, uh, you start to see like, well, I've finally made it, so I need to start hoarding and saving and putting all some money aside because this is mine. If you grew up with much, you're like, okay, well, we need to maintain that status, so I'm going to keep gathering and pulling and doing what's mine. And we're thankful, American dream, we become thankful because we have so much. We forget about those who have so little or nothing. 
And in Washington County, do I need to tell you the statistics? <laughs> Washington County is ridiculous. The average household income as in the latest census, $85,000 per household in Washington County. It's over double what the poverty line is nationally, average household income in Washington County. We're a well-resourced county. But at the same time, my question is, and I, I don't know your story, we're just presenting a Thanksgiving topic here. Are you truthfully, radically generous with what you have? And secondly, is there really thankfulness in your heart or is there greed that has pulled into your heart? So no matter what, whether you have much, whether you have little, there's tension. In Gen Z, Gen Z and millennials had a very interesting use of their finances. Uh, the generations all do things differently. You see hoarding coming from the GI generation or those who lived through the Depression uh, because they, they had nothing. And so, like, don't throw away that washer. You can use it someday. Like, washing machine? No, like a literal washer for a bolt. Like, don't throw away that bolt, right? Don't throw away that screw. And they would, have, they would keep all these things, uh, which was a good thing because of resources. And then, you know, generationally, things moved into the boomer generation and the boomers who uh, acquired so many, so much finances in the 80s are all about acquiring. And the 80s were an interesting time for people to work during that because there's so much money that was there. And then there's Gen X and we're angry because we have nothing. Uh, there are no pensions for us. There are no loyalty from companies and jobs. And so we're in this constant state of flux of what does my future hold? And then there's the millennials and Gen Z, which we all love. So let me tell you about them. They aren't into things. They're into travel. They're into experiences. So their generation believes like that which we've acquired, let's, ex let's expend it on ourselves and our experiences. So you will see younger, the younger generation traveling all across the world. The boomers saying, well, how can you afford that? You can't do that. Me, Gen X, I'm just mad because I can't do anything. And then the millennials and Gen Z are out there doing everything that they want, having a great time. But all of it leads to the same thing. All of it's in the same heart and the heartstrings. It's this. I've worked for it. I've earned it. It's mine. Listen to this quote from pastor author Tim Keller. He says this. As a pastor... I've had people come up to me and confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul, and the people around me. Greed hides itself from the, from the victim. Greed is this deceptive sin that creeps inside of our heart and offers you a joy and a security that is false. But it always leaves you wanting more. Ebenezer Scrooge could not get more wealth or, I mean, he's never satisfied. There's never something where there's a satisfaction when greed is involved. But thankfulness, on the other hand, gives you contentment and joy where you are. Let me say this again so you understand the difference. Greed is deceptive, and there's never a point in which you have enough acquired enough, and you always have a lust for more. But thankfulness, on the other hand, creates a place in which you are content where you are and have joy in that moment. So as you're processing this and thinking through it, your hearts are probably like mine when I wrote this, is I kind of have a little bit of both. In some places, I want more. In some places, I'm content. And so if that is true, I'm thankful in some areas. And in these areas over here, I'm, I, I really want more. But the truth of the matter is that greed kills thankfulness. Greed 
kills thankfulness. Because though I'm content in an area, I'm not truthfully content. Because if I was truthfully content, I would be thankful for all things in which I'm, all my situations, all places where I am, but I'm not. And so my heart has this tension, but when I'm honest about myself, and you're honest about your journey, we're really not content in some areas, which means greed kills off thankfulness. Thankfulness is this kind, loving, innocent, joyful thing in our life, and greed is this monstrous, angry, fanged monster coming to destroy that beautiful thing in our heart called thankfulness. And before we know it, greed can come in, thankfulness is out, and become that miser, that angry miser, always complaining about politics, the stock market, complaining about how you're not making money, complaining that your guest house doesn't have enough rooms, you know what I'm saying. Complaining that your car isn't new enough. Complain about, complain, complain, complain. That's greed. And it's deceptive because inside of our culture, we believe that somehow, some way, that this is actually something that we've all earned. Listen to this verse from Paul. Paul writes about in Philippians 4.12. He says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So he's found the secret. It's thankfulness and contentment in all situations. When I have a ton of stuff, like things are there, Thanksgiving feast, the the table is set, the turkey is there. Smoked turkey, by the way, is delicious. Smoked turkey, turkey, stuffing, potatoes. Uh, If you have sweet potatoes, they have to have marshmallows. That's a fact. Um, Everything is there on your table, and you are thankful and joyous. But what about for those who grew up with little and you struggle? And you guys know, there's people, I mean, you grow up and you struggle. Were you thankful that you had rice and beans for dinner, that you had food on your table? For those who had much, I, I remember this. I did a mission trip with some of my kids, and we went and did this amazing mission trip. We're down in, in Mexico. We're building homes for kids. I had about 50 youth with me at the time. Yes, 5-0 youth with me. And, and there were kids who were thankful and kids who just complained the whole time that they can't wait to have a McDonald's cheeseburger. And we're like in like a desolate part of Mexico. And, I, and, and we have nothing. And all the, I just want a cheeseburger. I want a cheeseburger. I'm like, bro, like just we're here right now. You've got food in your tummy. And they're like, I want a cheeseburger. Like that, that discontentment just growls inside of you. So you're never happy, which means you are never thankful. You see how this fools you. We think we have contentment, but when we're constantly not content, greed sets in. And that's where we're going to take our passage today. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, we're going to look at a teaching of Jesus today. In Matthew 6, 25 to 24, he's going to break down this really key element. Everything we need and have is given to you by God. Therefore, you own nothing. Therefore, how can you be greedy? Check out this verse, Matthew 6, 25 to 34 on your iPads, iPhones will be on the screen. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And we all get an amen on that last sentence. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is teaching, and he looks directly into what we are concerned about the most, which is the preservation of your life. This is all about the preservation of our life. So let's go back to our elementary school days and go through what are the five basic needs of survival. Now, if you haven't watched Survivor Man in a while, I'll kind of fill you in on this, right? You need to have air, right? We need oxygen to breathe, which, okay, we need to be up above ground where there's oxygen, but you don't control the makeup of this air. God does that. You need water, okay? We need water for hydration, a key element that we're made up mostly of water. We need that in our body. We need food. You ate more than enough of that this week, and y'all know that. There's food. We need some sort of shelter to block us from the elements so we're not out in the cold, especially here in Wisconsin. And finally, you need sleep. Your mind and body need to shut down, and during your sleep, your mind actually catalogs all of your memories. It's during your sleep that your body heals. It's a key element of rejuvenation, and that if you do not sleep, you are done for. So our five basic needs that are needed by us, Jesus addresses a good portion of those right there. He's talking about clothes, which is a form of shelter, like being warm, being covered. But he's also talking about adornments. He also talks about food, the things in which you're going to eat, but he's also talking about provision. And so he has this dual statement here of saying the simplicity yet the complexity of these things. You don't need to worry about anything because God takes care of everything in the entire universe. I think he's going to take care of you. Do not worry. Do not worry about this because God is the provider of everything. Now, let's take our thought of greed and our thankfulness and God's provision. Greed says, I've earned and I've worked, and I'm going to acquire more and more and more because it is mine. Thankfulness says, I'm content in my situation, and where I am, I find joy. And God's provision says, I'm the God of the universe. Stars spin in my hand. I think I can get you a sweatshirt if you're cold, right? So if this is true, God's provision, he's provided everything. If we accept and believe, how does that equate with greed? Which is everything is mine, I've earned it, in which God says, I've provided everything and have given to you. Now we look at thankfulness. Thankfulness says, I'm content. God says, I've given to you in all situations. Therefore, I've given you the sweatshirt you need. We'll say as an example. And therefore, you say, I'm content. Thank you, God, for taking care of me that I'm warm today. We're in a building. The heat is working. You are warm. There's snow outside. Blech. It's warm in here. A couple of weeks ago, for those who were here, our heaters were not working in the lobby. I believe it was 59 or 58 degrees. I came here to work. Our furnaces were not working. I came in, um, and my fingers, these, my fingers, blue. Like, I couldn't even type on my computer. And you forget how important it is, the simplicity of having heat in a room. Shelter over your head the clothes on your body, the food that you ate at Thanksgiving, the car that you drove here with, for those who work, the job that you have, 
For those who have, we have so much more than we realize. And when we believe that we've earned it, you've cut God out of the situation. And when you cut God out of your story, you take thankfulness out. God and thankfulness come together because God is radically generous and we worship him and give him all the glory because he's given us everything. But when I am greedy, I cut God and everybody out because it's mine. What's mine is mine. I've earned it. I've worked for it. And you have not. So I want to ask you a question. You are the top of all creation. God created everything and then he made us. So you're the top of his creation. He says, look at the flowers, look at the birds, look at all this stuff. You are the pinnacle of what I've created. You are made in my image. You are a God image-bearing creation. So here's the question. You have all you need, Mosaic Church. Are you content? You have all that you need right now. And if you are in need, let us know because we help anybody who's in need. So if you are content right now, are you content? You have all you need. And here's the other question. If you have all that you need, why aren't you content? That's the bigger American dream question. If you have everything you need, not want, need, why aren't you content? Is it because your neighbors travel and they go to Aruba every year and you don't? Is it because your neighbors have five different houses and five different places and you don't? Is it because your neighbor's kids are all-star D1 athletes and yours aren't? What, what is it that makes you discontented? Is it that your job that you work at doesn't make as much money as the person next door? Is it that you feel that you don't dress as nice, look as nice, not as in shape as whatever our story is? Why are you content? What's causing you to have this disrest inside of you saying, I'm just not good enough. I need more. I need more. What is it? It is a form of greed. And greed is sin. So when we look at this from the concept of thankfulness and thanksgiving, greed is sin. Sin cuts out thankfulness. That means you're cutting God out of the story. But if we can be content in all things like Paul tells us to, we find a whole new process of us looking at life. Let's go back to this passage. Listen to this passage again from Jesus, 25, 27, these two verses. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Who feeds them? The heavenly Father. Who feeds you? Heavenly Father. Who adorns the fields of the valley? Heavenly Father. Who adorns you? Heavenly Father. You aren't even in the equation, y'all, for what you have. Nothing that you have owned, acquired, is yours. It's because God has given a nod and said, I'll give that to you. It is not yours. Anything. How do I know this? Because I do a lot of funerals. And at said funerals, none of your stuff goes with you. It was borrowed to you by God. It goes back to God. Your body is borrowed to you by God. It goes back to the earth, your soul back to God. 
It is all him all the time. He provides everything, gives everything. And when we start to embrace this way, not the American dream, but the God dream, because he says, focus on the kingdom of heaven, focus on my values, my things, it changes our whole viewpoint. And as our viewpoint changes, we see life differently. And as we see life differently, we start finding ourselves being radically generous for everybody. It's not mine. Sure, you can have it. You need to borrow something? Of course you can have it. Y'all need finances? Of course you can have it. We start giving it away because it's not ours. And so radical generosity, which is one of our core values, seeps into us and we give it away. And if you didn't know why we have our hashtag, love where you live, we will give radically away into our community to transform our community because everything we have is God's anyways. We haven't acquired anything. It's all his. And so that way of thinking changes the way we see the world. Thankfulness. The heart of thankfulness leads us to worship. The heart of thankfulness puts us to that place of desperate for the Savior. The heart of thankfulness and understanding God has everything, hey, all of a sudden you start praying a little differently. You start seeing life differently. And all this leads us into worship. But what am I not saying this morning? Because there's always a, well, whenever you do a sermon, there's always like holes like, ah, but he didn't say this. Let me say it to you this morning. What am I not saying? I am not saying you shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying. Everybody who is Gen X ups like, you need to work hard, right? And millennials like, we're here. We're glad we're coming to church. So uh, I, you need to work hard. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you don't work hard. You do need to work hard because God's given you the ability to work. He's given you the ability to purchase or buy a home or rent a house or be in an apartment. Everything is God's provisions. We need to work hard. And as we work hard, that's what we acquire. We give away freely because it's his anyways. What I'm not saying is you shouldn't provide. I'm not saying don't provide for the survival needs of your family, of course. Yes, buy them clothes. Yes, get them what they need. Get them some shoes. You know what? They can be kind of cool kicks, too. I'm cool with that, too. Get them what they need. That's not what I'm saying is you don't do that. What I am saying is that that is not the focal point because it's from God. It's not the item that's the problem. It's us that's the problem. It's not money or resources or homes or whatever's the problem. It's our relationship to those things, what we feel about it, what we believe about it. So generosity and thankfulness live over here, and greed and sin live over here. And so the item is neutral. It's us. It's all us. What I am saying is this, greed kills thankfulness. What I am saying is worry, when we worry about stuff, is a basic function of wanting control. The basic function of wanting control, you are not in control, God is. You are not in control, God is. Worrying is trying to grab control of what you want and what you desire and what you need. Greed is the sin of demanding control. If you pick anything up, pick these two up today. Greed is a sin of demanding control. You are not in control, God is. So when you are worrying, you want control. When you have greed, you're demanding control. No matter how much you acquire at a snap of God's fingers, it's gone because it's his anyways. Let's go back to the last portion of our passing. Listen how Jesus sums up this problem of worry and greed. 
So do not worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. More and more. I need more. I want more. But when we recognize that God is the one who's in control, we uh, just open our hands and say, God, I need these things. And my focus is the kingdom of God. My focus, as you've heard those who've been at Mosaic for a while, is that we are on mission to make disciples that make disciples. We're on mission to transform our community with the love of the gospel by loving the unlovable, seemingly unlovable, loving those who are our neighbors, loving people far away. We will love, we will give, we'll be generous because at the end of the day, that's what God has called us to on mission. And when we look at it and our focus on God's kingdom versus our kingdom, what does all this junk really matter? Going through my house right now, we are in a transition of my son's in college, my daughter's in high school, and we're going through decluttering. St. Vinnie de Paul, it's coming, man. And we, we, we acquire so many things. And all these things which deemed so precious and so valuable at one time in their lives is now seen as a nuisance. It's taking up space. Which once was a wanted desire. The heart was just palpating on Christmas Day. Oh, I so hope I get that brand new calico critter house with the light up chandelier and the fuzzy little porcupine and the bears and it's going to make a house and this pump. I hope I get it. And she opens it and ah, she's so excited. Opens it now sits kind of dilapidated in a corner. Like, can I get rid of this, please? Like, I don't want it. Isn't that how it's going to be for us in eternity as well? Our heart desires all of these things now, but as time moves on, and as we move older in life, and we get closer to the Lord than closer to the cradle, and we start to see these things, you move, and like, what is the purpose of all of this stuff? We fill our house, and we fill our homes with all these things. You're like, I don't really want that. All that matters is the kingdom of God, because that's the only thing that we take with us when we go is that which we've done for eternity. So all of our resources, everything that we have that's given, shared, it's open-handed, it's all for your kingdom. We now say God is for you and your kingdom because that's what goes with us for eternity. It's an investment into a bank that's going to pay more back than you could ever imagine because it's the eternal kingdom. This stuff now, you're like, I don't know. I don't know, just give it away, send it to St. Vinny, I don't know. Put it on eBay, get five bucks. I don't know. Actually, they're pretty expensive, so we'll put it on like Marketplace. But you get what I'm saying with this, guys? What is the purpose? Now I'm trying to declutter my house. Like, just get this stuff out. Like, yeah, I feel so much better when rooms are totally clean versus full of all this stuff. So how much more do we have to acquire till we're happy? Greed says you will never have enough. Contentment says I'm exactly content and happy where I am right here today. I'm thankful and I have joy in where my situation is today. When the Lord provides, I say thank you. When the Lord, I don't have much, I say thank you. Because in all things, Paul says, I found to be content. Because it's all about God's perspective. So this morning, I'm going to give you an awesome opportunity to live this out. Great speech, Pastor. Uh, love it. Thank you. We're going to do actually something hard. Today, I'm going to, we're going to be doing an offering for our benevolent offering. This is a direct 
ministry that gives to those who are in need in our community. And I'm part of the team that sees the request that comes through. And I can tell you, my friends, Washington County has a mask uh, that you do not understand or know about if, unless you're in it. There's a mask of wealth, a mask of we've got everything put together, but in fact, there's a deep-seated need. We have those needs that come through uh, to us, too. We have a care team, which is a wonderful team of people that vet everything that comes through, and we give radically gener- generous to people who are in need, and they aren't people that go to our church necessarily. Some churches believe, like, hey, if you got to come to our church, and then you got to come, and some churches, hey, come clean our floors and we'll help you out. That's not Jesus. That's not radical generosity. Someone's in need in our community. Our response is to help them. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll heal you if you go to the synagogue five times. Like, they don't even do that. He just radically helped broken, hurting people. And so we do the same thing through our care ministry. I will say in our time of existence, the needs post-COVID have gone higher than ever. And most times we are limited because we do not have enough finances to give away. And so today I'm going to ask that you would consider this. We're going to have a week of generosity into our benevolent offering. Uh, we're We're going to have a song here coming up in a second. We'll take an offering for benevolent. You're like, whoa, didn't know about that today. No worries. Uh, we're going to do it for a week. Uh, we're going to have a QR code on the back of your, uh, your seats. QR code, if you click on giving, you select the care benevolent offering that goes directly to care ministry given only to those who are in need in our community. Uh, also, we'll be in our weekly email. And again, if you'd like to take an envelope and say, just write care benevolent, we'll take that as well last week. And hey, we'll take it all year round too. Because that is what we're supposed to do. Be generous. Radically generous. Ebenezer Scrooge says, I'm not going to give to the poor because then y'all are going to be out of a job. Why would I do that? I worked my whole life to get money and people just want me to give it away. The kingdom of God says everything that you have is given because the master says you can have it. Be radically generous. Invest in eternity. Help those who are in need. Greed, thankfulness. Where are you this morning? For me in my heart, I had to explore. I actually found actual areas where I'm radically generous and areas where I'm actually super greedy. I'm sure some of you can relate with that. I mean, I hopefully, hopefully I'm not the only one or you guys can preach next week. But I'm in this tension, right? And this is the place where I confess. And this is the place I say, Lord, these two, because greed kills thankfulness, I want to live a, live a life of radical generosity and thankfulness and invest in the kingdom of God. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.